Welcome to Untangle, the podcast from Muse, the brain-sensing headband that helps you meditate and five-star app meditation studio. I'm Patricia Karpus, your host along with my co-host this week, Muse co-founder Ariel Garten. Before we get started, a reminder to check out our free meditations on Muse or Meditation Studio. And if you and your family want to learn to meditate while you're at home or just deepen your practice, use the discount code MUSESTRESSLESS for your Muse headband at choosemuse.com. We're thinking of all of you and wishing you the very best. Now on to today's episode with Arielle. Thank you, Patricia, and welcome everyone. Today, my guest is Nako Bear. Nako is a wildly popular musician and activist whose indigenous ancestors come from Puerto Rican, Filipino, Mohawk, and Apache roots. His lyrics sing of hard truths and an optimism for a better world. I had the pleasure of speaking and singing with him last week, just three days after his new album, Take Your Power Back, released. We talked about the truth of his life and his perspective on the world as we played his songs and talked through the stories behind them. Come hear his voice. Welcome, Nako. Hello, thank you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. It's a total honor and pleasure to have you here with us. So, what was it like having just dropped a new album? Well, it's been a few days now, so I feel like a lot of feelings, but last night in particular, I felt a sense of completion because I've been doing a Sunday service performance every Sunday since quarantine. And yesterday's was the first I did singing all of the new songs. And there was a, a really beautiful sense of opening that I had. After I got done playing, I went out and my garden's going here and we were trying to repot some of the ceilings. And this thunderstorm came and it was so epic, like lightning and thunder, like literally hit right after Sunday service. And it was this like cool feeling of a completion where the storm came, you know, and sort of like washed everything away again and replenished the well in a sense. And then we were like repotting and stuff. So it was this whole vibe that happened. And now those songs can go out into the world and do their work. You know what I mean? So the album is called Take Your Power Back. Should we play the title song for it for a second, or should we start with sure. the very first song? Do you want Fourth Door or Take Your Power Back? Ooh, start with Fourth Door. Let's see okay. It's been lifetimes. Who grieves in a straight line? I white shot a vision. So that was the first song on your album. No one imagined that we would wake up. Woohoo! Yeah. 
as you listen through the album from top to bottom, there's an overarching feeling of going through disparity and depression and revisiting old wounds and childhood trauma and checking in on your own worth and your own ability to give yourself the permission to experience and feel all sides of your emotional self where you can hold the celebration and the disparity. You can hold the joy and the pain. You can dance and cry at the same time. Yeah, so kind of diving into those things where in that song, Fourth Door in particular, it's really addressing grief and allowing yourself to like mourn something. And it's like, as you keep going into the album, like the song is what it is, just not to get ahead of ourselves, but it dives into like the fact that nothing ever really dies. You can have an archetypal death, but like you, it's always going to be there in that sense. It's not like it's going to leave you, but you move through the different chapters of these like totems. There's so much in there. It's been really fun. So tell me a little bit about your background. How'd you get into music? Where are you from? I know you have a, it's, you have it's a real background. Story. <laughs> not the Zoom background. It's not the Zoom background. No, I mean, the be- human background. Well, I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. And my mom was trafficked when she was 14 years old by my grandmother. My dad bought my mom. So that's how I was conceived. Wow. She was someone's property for two weeks. And then she came back to Oregon from San Diego to have me and then gave me up for adoption when I was nine months old. I was adopted and raised just down the road from her for 17 years. By all accounts, my family was that raised me was picturesque and they loved me and they did the best they could. And being first-time parents and being parents that couldn't have children of their own. They adopted myself and two other kids. Deeply religious family. We were homeschooled, very sheltered. And I left. How is it? I was going to say, I got out. <laughs> I left at home. I left home when I was 17. And I started playing music when I was six years old. I started playing piano when I was six. Took piano lessons for 10 years and taught myself guitar at 14 years old. Pretty sure I started writing songs, who knows really, but like I remember writing them when I was supposed to be listening to the pastor in church. <laughs> I was like writing. My dad would test me though if I was listening to the sermon. So I'd take like random notes on the sermon just to be like, oh shit, I'm going to get quizzed later. I remember writing songs like every time we go to church because I was like, I don't know how I got into it, but I started like doing that. And then, yeah, when I got a guitar, that was a whole game changer too because like, my neighbor, a neighbor kid gave me like this like F-hole jazz electric guitar and my other friend gave me like this tiny little Marshall stack. And so, of course, to the dismay of my mom, I plugged a little amp in and like play that guitar, like the one chord I knew, which was E minor. And it was loud. And it was like, I was, I was like, I'm fucking rock and roll, which was like, you know, I could totally do it on the piano too. It was like, I loved Liberace and I loved like these guys that my dad would show me. They were like, these characters like Victor Borga that were like these like comedians that played piano. And so I moved to Alaska actually, cause I got a job up there when I was 18 to play piano for a dinner theater. I did that job for a couple of years and that's when I discovered psychedelics, which really began my journey to be honest of deconstructing the constructs that I've been raised in and made me start to question everything 
and brought me into a new understanding of what my relationship with the spirit world was going to be. And through that, I traveled straight to Hawaii and then ended up staying in Hawaii and starting a farm there and living there for like seven or eight years, which is where a lot of stuff really started to turn. My relationship with the earth became far more of a focus. I started to farm, wrote a lot of songs there and really came out of my shell, really got to fall in love with nature in a big way. It wasn't until really like 2012 that like I officially decided to like leave the island and pursue music full time. So that's what I did. I found these band members along the way, along the journey. And I've met them all differently. Like my drummer I met, he was like the bartender at the tavern in, on the island. And my guitar player, I picked me up hitchhiking. So we've, <laughs> <laughs> we've all met in some like random places, but it's been amazing journey with everybody. That's awesome. So we're all going through this fundamental change altogether, COVID. And the idea of being able to hold two states simultaneously is actually something that I've heard come up over and over again. I know mm-hmm. for me, I'm here with my kid and it's the most delightful thing in the world. Also, mm-hmm. outside there's death and sadness and grief. And as I hear the advice from wisdom leaders, this idea often comes up of having to hold two things in this very strange time. And the idea of grief also resonates strong grieving for the people who are passing and also grieving with the change that we are all going to through in the world that something will be becoming from. We just, we don't know where it's going and what it's going to be. Did you realize just how prescient your songs would be for this moment? Well, it's interesting you're saying the two things because we're in 2020, which is hindsight and vision. Yep. If you think about that, where it's like, this is the year where we were asked to, as you're saying, hold multiple truths. And those truths include where we came from, where we've been, and what we learned from those experiences, and the ultimate future that we would want to live in that we can see clearly now or clearer. And we were just talking about this last night, actually, like the fact that I think that this lane I've been in of just doing my thing and telling my stories and like following my heart on what I need to do with my life in regards to continuing to do this thing of, with music, because there's plenty of other stuff I could totally just go do instead of playing music. I got lots of stuff to like do. But the fact that this job that I have now or I've had and this acceptance of what it is that I'm here for has taken precedence and I respect it. So I've been in this lane and then the world sort of is kind of colliding with me and so available for it. And I'm not saying nothing new. I'm just saying it my own way. And so these ideas that, that have been around for a long time about regenerative systems and about I mean, shit, all the societal shit that's like that the way our societies are built and how the inequality is real and the racism is real and the injustice of peoples and and planet is so prevalent. And yet we don't do anything about it on a bigger scale. Like we have the potential on this planet to be so industrious as a, in a regenerative sense and be so far more advanced in a regenerative sense, but that we've gone so far away from that and for so many different reasons. But I think that this music is palatable, especially now because what we talk about in them are such tangible truths 
in a COVID experience. How do you see music as healing? Talk to me about music as medicine. Well, I mean, for I have to start with myself. I mean, that's the only whole reason I'm doing this because I know how much I get out of channeling songs and what it does for me first, because otherwise I wouldn't have any clout if I just was talking about shit that I didn't even know about. <laughs> so my first experience is always kind of where I turn to. And I know how much poetry means to me and how it helps me reclaim myself in so many ways. And I know how much sound does for me as well. Now I'm not like super deep into like singing bowls or like sound healing and all that kind of stuff. I just like playing music and I like my own expression of it. And I know how much it's that expression has helped me heal my wounds, continue to stay on a good red road and like to focus on and give attention to the things that are important to me in an effort to like continue to help me understand why I'm here, who I am, what part of me is wounded so that I can actually fulfill the work that I'm here to do. And then of course I've witnessed music be healing for others through their stories that they've shared with me. Music's such a powerful tool to like be there for you when you feel like you have nobody. Yeah. Well, you've been there for a lot of people. I mean, your songs have millions and millions and millions of listens. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's fascinating to me. I'm just going, oh, well, cool. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) And through your music, I know you're also very focused on giving voice to Indigenous wisdoms. Yeah, to, I guess even to reference this album, like that song is what it is, is about, again, these archetypes that we have. This was a song that came out of the ceremony, actually. And it was like, it was a very literal experience, but it was also a very metaphorical experience too, where you have a coyote who represents the Hayoka, who and the Hayoka being the sacred clown, this uh, trickster that can be very manipulative, but can also be very wise. And then there's the vulture, who is this kind of disregarded raptor, I guess, that's like forgotten in some ways, but very much a very clear totem as far as being able to clean up the mess and give things back to the earth in a good way, but then also has a close relationship to this reoccurring mythology around birds being the ones that bring the spirits to and from this dimension, to and from this spirit world, taking the dead back and bringing new spirits here to live, etc. And so the story goes in the song around this coyote, it's called Is What It Is, the coyote burial. And there's a coyote dying and he's talking to this vulture and he's saying, can you please tell my family that I didn't die alone out here, that you were there for me? And the vulture's essentially saying, I got you, I'm going to give you a proper burial and honor you in this way. So these are some indigenous like wisdoms that I've learned as far as like, and that's in particular with the story of the totems of those animals, what do those animals mean, symbolism there. Let them feast, coyote meat. I don't know how long he's been dead to me. And did a martyr before I came home. Tell my mother I didn't die alone. I found you. 
funeral song, but nothing ever really dies. That's the truth in there. He says, uh, man in the maze, or is it in me? I heard the vulture pray before he eats. I'll make it right, my friend. This ain't goodbye, my friend. Honey, ain't nothing ever really dead. I hear my sisters singing me home. Tell my mother I didn't die alone. And then what else in there? There's, gosh, there's so many things. In the song, you got them right there. Got a list. (laughs) Lifeguard, slow down, give it all, garden, defend the sacred, dear brother. Music was his medicine, twisted. Direcciones, tiano, teino. Bend like mm-hmm. the willow, take your power back, which we do need to play. Yeah, bend like the willow actually got a lot of it in there too. And I mean, so does honor the earth actually now I think about it. I mean, they all do, right? In so many senses, it's like, but the bend like the willow specifically references the willow branches that are made and used in ceremony to build a sweat lodge, which is a traditional Native American practice. But it's a, the sweat lodge itself is a physical thing. I mean, it's a, it's a lodge lodge where you go inside of it and you build it out of branches or willow branches and cover it and basically it's like a church you go to church and pray in there but in Ben like the willow i talk about all i can see is infinity of dark being in the total darkness where you become nothing again and you're going inside the mother back into the womb kind of a thing you know all i can hear is that beating drum in my heart and then say you are braver than your deepest fears you are wise beyond your years Bend like the willow, cast your love over me. Sort of talking to the spirit world. And then your mind is a garden, be sure to tend it well. Where you find the water is where you find yourself. Then in Take Your Power Back, even like I talk about the idea of the woman being the mother. Signals brought and casting out, future worlds collide. Tangled up in nature's law, Murphy's logic tries. Every sign of mine in transit, all these complicated planets, woman. How she held me in the dark, sharing every breath. Pushed me out of monocles, wrapped around my neck. So like referencing like being born, right? And like you're sharing your, the breath of the mother. And then you get pushed out. And then I kind of made a metaphorical like, like play on words of like, your umbilical cord getting wrapped around your neck, but it's actually like a musical cord. Mm-hmm. Gnashing teeth, the world of hair. Gnashing teeth is from, I think it's from Revelations in the Bible when he talks about that there will be gnashing your teeth and speaking in tongues and shit. And I always loved that, like the visual of that, of like the monsters outside, like the darkness that will swallow you, you know, sort of ominous and kind of scary a little bit. But like, it also just gives you this real idea of like there's actual terror in some of these places that you'll have to experience on your sojourn or on your like journey and gnashing teeth, the world of terror, perfect song, but human error woman. Like we were given this perfect song and we live within a perfect song. And it's like the sound of nature itself. And yet human error, wherever that came from, whatever, you know, even if that's a thing, I don't really know. So Oh, that woman from which I came, that woman who knows my pain, which I came to which I will return is what I say. Oh, that woman from which I came to which I will return. Oh, that woman who knows my pain. She said, you got to, you got to. And then the second verse says, some have been woke 
the mind's still numb, senses coming back. Normalize the wicked eyes, only to distract. We desensitized, accustomed, hard to shock the heart of suffering woman. I want to give you something, no more pain. I want to return to from which I came. She's the only source I know. Naturally, I want to go. I survived something traumatic, folding time and space dimensions, woman. She's testing me. Yeah. Amazing. So beautiful. Thank you so much. So, so, so beautiful. And such an incredible honor to hear it directly from your voice, just a cappella right here and right now. You know, I've been listening mm. to the song over and over again on iTunes and, and it's a big song with a lot of background and it's so, <laughs> so just so, so sweet and so lovely to just come from no, your voice thanks. here. I'm going to make a acoustic one on the piano because it's, I tried it out yesterday actually and it's a total vibe, but it's, I really wanted to write a funk song. So <laughs> I was like, for people who haven't heard this, this is song. a funk song. It's a huge, big song. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to play it right at the end of the episode. So anybody listening, cool. hold off till the end, and then you'll be able to hear the actual produced version of this and how unbelievably different it is, but it's still you know, <laughs> got that sweetness and that spirit. Thank you. Tell me about where you see the world going from here. What is life post-COVID to you? Oh, what do you man. wish to see? What do you hope happens? I mean, in general, a general sense, I hope and wish that we're able to kind of what we referenced at the beginning of this conversation is be able to take what we know about the world that we've been living in and make radical change happen. But what I fear and what we sort of have commonly seen is we're slow to changing. It doesn't matter how hard or rude the awakening is, there's always going to be stragglers. It's hard to get the majority. So I'm hoping that some kind of resiliency is built from this, that enough people can see through the illusion and know how to stand up from that place. Because I think it's a really common theme of feeling disenfranchised and feeling disempowered and that you don't, you're just one person and how, how one person can change the world and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like none of that like fire has left any of us who have been ready for radical global change for a lot longer. And we need true leadership in so many sectors of our societies to step forward because it's not one person and it's not one idea. It's a place that we've never been before, but I'm fucking here for it. So like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's go. But I do think that it's going to take enough people who want to know the truth and want to know that we're here for a much bigger reason than to live inside of this illusion that our potential is massive and it's that new world is waiting for us if we can take it. And I think we stand a chance for sure. So I would love to see a majority come through from this and it's not going to happen in one day. It's not going to be like on election day, we everybody decided to be woke as fuck and like take charge and people in America were fed up with a two party system and blah, blah. I don't know, all this stuff, you know, it's like, you can look at it and go like, well, the world is so big and like, there's so many opinions and so many societal like constructs that like need to be broken down before we can even start to rewrite how we want to live together here. I just think that the wiser we get through these rude awakenings, the sooner we can 
reclaim the planet and start to rewrite our story. I think that's an incredible cue for Take Your Power Back. That was Nako Bear on his latest album, Take Your Power Back. You can download the album and more of his music on iTunes and find it on YouTube. Also, in the show notes, you can find a link to the full video of this conversation and see us singing and dancing along to his songs. And if you're curious about Muse, the brain-sensing headband that helps you meditate and sleep, check out choosemuse.com. Enjoy! Thank you so much. What an honor to be dancing here with you. And it just started to pour rain in Toronto. Oh, for real. Hey, blessings of the water. That was so wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing Mm. your wisdom and your music and your voice and inspiring all of us to take our power back. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you.